Good morning, everyone. It's so much fun to be with you. I had a blast with the men of your church yesterday. I hope, ladies and uh, children, I hope like crazy we sent those men back home just a little bit more in love with Jesus, a little bit more with camaraderie with the other guys, and a little bit more to be a great husband and a great father. That's what was our goal was. And so I want to thank you for the opportunity to spend that time with the men so much. Hey, I got breaking news. Uh, there has been a Pastor Luke sighting in central Illinois. Uh, true story, a friend of mine who's a pastor in Danvers was uh, in Morton, Illinois at a coffee shop there. And uh, he walked into this coffee shop and he saw this guy reading his Bible by himself there. And uh, my, my friend's a pastor, so he said to the guy, hey, I'm really inspired by you because you're actually reading the Bible in this public place in this coffee shop. And he goes, I just wanted to say, way to go. And they got to chit-chatting, and it turned out to be Pastor Luke. So I want you to know something. Uh, I want you to know something. You, you wonder what they do on sabbatical? They go get good coffee, and they read their Bibles. Now, I wanted to give you that report uh, th that he is doing well. I haven't seen him, but my friend evidently saw him, and they got to talking, and we figured out that we all knew each other. So I wanted to give you that uh, particular update. Raise your hands if someone in your life, you're someone who has somebody driving you nuts. Is there somebody driving you nuts? Raise your hand. Raise your hands high. How many of you are seated next to that person right now? Oh, I saw a bunch of hands go up. You guys are going to have some conversation after this, uh, I can see. That's how messy everything, isn't it? Boy, the world, I didn't think it could get any messier. And boy, is it a crazy place. I mean, it is so messy. And you know what? That's the nature. That is the nature of, of uh, what happens when uh, we start to follow Jesus and being a human being. It's crazy. Things get so, so crazy. You would think that with Jesus, who was perfect, by the way, never sinned, lived a perfect life, you would think Jesus might be the one person that as he made his way through his earthly life, that everything would go great. It turns out, Jesus had to deal with us, and he had a lot of messes. One time, just for fun, I wanted to see how often Jesus got in trouble. You should do this stuff. This is what I, I love studying the Gospels. So I read the book of Mark. There's 16 chapters in the book of Mark. And every time I saw somebody getting their nose out of joint with Jesus... I put a little MR, messy relationship. I read all 16 chapters. I went back and counted them all up. My own study was 808 times Jesus had trouble with people. Friends, if Jesus has trouble with people, he's perfect. How about those of us who are not perfect? If our people around us are imperfect and I'm imperfect, we're in big trouble. But we got great news. The Bible has not left us wondering on how to clean up messy relationships. Raise your hand if you have a messy relationship right now. Raise both hands if you're Pentecostal. Just kidding, yeah? <laughs> we all have them. We have them in our families. We have them where we work. We have them in our neighborhood. We have them in our... Thank you. Because what is the church? It's a family of people who have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, 
and we're still working out our salvation. We're still working out our sanctification. And in the process, we are going to need to learn how to clean up messy relationships. Everyone should have one of these. This was in your bulletin or is given to you. I'm just going to use an acrostic. The scriptures are right here. You might want to make note that this could be a Bible study for you this coming week. If you have someone in your life that's driving you crazy, or you might be the one driving everybody else crazy, you might want to do a little Bible study here. If your marriage is in trouble, you might want to try to clean this up. Well, trouble, <laughs> that's such a... Every marriage is in trouble at some level, let's just be honest. That's what I've learned after 30. Maybe you've got some issues with your family, whatever it might be. I want to challenge you to embrace God's cleanup for messy relationships. So let's dig in. You know, this is so interesting. Jesus said, woe unto you when all men speak well of you. <laughs> no matter how great you are, you are going to get it. You're, we're all going to get it, right? I love that. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. Let's look at the C. What's the C stand for? If we're going to clean up messy relationships, the C stands for communicate. Go ahead and write that in there, communicate. You know what's interesting to me? When you get in a tiff with somebody or you get in an argument with somebody or you go to loggerheads, you know what happens? You actually quit talking with each other. I remember the first year of my married life. I'm 35 years in now, still have a long way to go. <laughs> Just ask her. She's right here. But I remember the first year of my marriage. I came home and I noticed, I mean, you might not have the gift of discernment like me. I walked into the living room and on that couch was a pillow and a blanket. And I'm like, we must be having somebody sleeping over. <laughs> so I went up to my wife and I said, is something wrong? No. What did I do? Nothing. You know, I'll tell you how dumb I was that first year of marriage when I asked, what's wrong? And she said nothing. I thought nothing was wrong. You would think that the English language was clear on that. But it turns out one of the scariest things your wife can ever say when you ask the question, what's wrong? The scariest thing ever is nothing. Because now I know nothing equals everything. I'm like, wow. That took me a while to get over that, right? So communicate. You know what's interesting? It's what's functional. You know, I always say this. If you want something, ask for it. I may not get it. You may not get it. But functionality is to ask for something, right? And communication means we talk and listen. We talk and listen. It goes both ways. The Bible says, speak the Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. Many of us are great at speaking. Many of us speak the truth, and we wield it like a sword on people. But notice the three things. Speak the truth in love. In love. I thought I was a truther until I married my wife. She is the ultimate truther. And she will let me know the truth, which I'm grateful for. She speaks the truth. Now we got to learn to speak the truth in love. So much weird language in, in the uh, cyber world, isn't there? People think, well, I don't have to face these people. I can say all these crazy things. Friends, you as a follower of Jesus 
need to embrace this. Speak, Ephesians 4.15, God's command. Speak the truth in love. That's critical. And the love part is important to that, right? So communicate. You know what's interesting? One of the words for devil in the New Testament, in the Greek New Testament, one of the words for devil means slanderer. So you know what happens? Instead of speaking the truth in love, we become little devils. When we get out of TIFF, I go tell somebody, well, so-and-so, we got in big trouble, and I'm going to tell you all about it, and we start slandering other people's name. Friends, when you do that, when you gossip, when you slander, you are like a little devil. That's exactly what that particular Greek word means, slanderer. So instead of miscommunication, let's speak the truth in love. All right, communication. The L. The L stands for listen. James 1.19 says this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So often we are so quick to be angry or quick with our tongues, right, rather than listening to what's being said. But we need to listen. Communication means somebody speaks and listens, and you speak and they listen. Jaja Gabor, you might remember her if you're older than me, which my daughter reminded me I'm only five years away from joining the 65 party, and it's, which really hurt me. Thank you, honey. But Jaja Gabor was uh, talking to a friend of hers, and uh, she was talking about her favorite subject, herself. And she began to notice that she began to drone on and on about herself, that the person started to lose interest in the conversation. So she quickly said, Ah, but darling, we must talk about you. How do you like my dress? <laughs> she still made it about her somehow, right? Friends, listening requires you not to think about you, but to think about what other people are saying. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Listen to this. You ever wonder why somebody doesn't listen to you? Well, here's why. People listen to people who listen. People listen to people who listen. If you were to only take one of these things and apply it to your relationships to become a listener who understands what people are saying. You don't even have to agree with it, but you've got to be a good listener. It could change your whole life and your relationships. The C stands for communicate. The L stands for listen. The E stands for equanimity. I'll explain it. Let me give it to you. E-Q-U-A-N-I-M-I-T-Y. Equanimity. Say it with me. Equanimity. Equanimity simply means evenness of mind under stress. Evenness of mind under stress. Friends, most of us, when stress comes, we don't have equanimity. We get jacked up and we start saying stuff and hurting people. Proverbs 15.1 says, listen to this, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Have you ever heard the phrase, we're going to fight fire with fire? So imagine right now that some place in this town 
uh, caught on fire, and the fire department came, and instead of bringing water, they brought flamethrowers. We're going to fight fire with fire. That's a pretty dumb approach. What you want is the opposite, water. This is what's happening. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Somebody comes up to you, and they're in your face, and, you know, Somebody's driving. People are so brave in cars, aren't they? You cut me off in traffic, they give you the international high sign, and then they drive around you, right? You know, that kind of thing. Like, oh, you're a big person, right? And you can get angry, and you can sit in that. And you might be tempted to say or do something back. But here's the, here's the ticket. This is why you're going to need a lot of Jesus. When somebody provokes you, a gentle answer turns away wrath. It's the exact opposite. You, don't th you throw water on fire. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Reminds me of the story of the sailor who had always wanted to meet a pirate. He had worked on a dock for many, many years, and all of a sudden he heard clip-clop, clip-clop, clip-clock, and his heart began to beat because he thought, this might be a pirate. He looked up, and sure enough, there he was. The clip-clop, clip-clop was because he had a peg leg. And he also had a hook for a hand. And if that wasn't enough to prove that he was a real pirate, he had a patch over one eye. The sailor was giddy. He ran to the pirate and he said, I've always wanted to meet an authentic pirate. Or, he says, you've met one. He goes, can I ask you some more? Sure you can. Tell me, what do you want to know? How did you get that peg leg? He said, Arr. we were way out in the middle of the ocean. Great big storm came over, threw me overboard. They began to pull me back into the ship. And while they pulled me into the ship, a shark bit my leg off. And the sailor was like, wow, how did you get the hook? How did that happen? He said, well, one night, we came upon an abandoned ship, and we ran in there, but it wasn't abandoned, and a sword fight ensued. We were trying to steal of its booty, and all of a sudden, my right hand was cut off by someone's sword. And that's how I got the hook. And then the sailor said, how did you lose the eye? And the, and the pirate said, arr, a seagull dropping fell into my eye. And in dismay, the sailor said, a seagull dropping fell into your eye? And he said, arr, it was me first day with the hook. <laughs> Some of you will get that joke later. <laughs> but I love that story because if a seagull dropping falls into your eye, generally you can take care of that if you handle it properly. Same thing with a problem or an inter interpersonal relationship that's going bad. If you handle it properly, there is hope for that. But in this case, a temporary problem became a permanent problem because he didn't handle it properly. Sometimes that's what we do in our relationships. We make a long-term problem that didn't need to be a long-term problem because we didn't handle it properly. That's why you're going to need a good deal of evenness under mind under stress. Evenness of mind under stress. Equanimity. We all need equanimity. I think the only, thing that, the only way we would ever do this is if the Spirit of God lived in us. 
the ultimate equanimity, if you ask me. They're nailing Jesus to the cross. Did you know that historically, when the Romans crucified people, many times they cut the person's tongue out before they crucified him? Because when they were nailed to the cross, they just spilled out all this ugly talk. And so sometimes they would cut their tongue out because they didn't want to hear all that craziness. Jesus Christ says, while they nail him to the cross, Lord, don't hold this against them. Forgive them. That is equanimity. That is evenness of mind. You're going to need it. I'm going to need it. The A stands for amnesia. You're going to need a, a lot of selective amnesia. Something's going to happen in your life, in your relationships, your family, your friends, your church, where you work, where your neighbors, all whatever. There's just going to, it's going to be crazy. And you're going to have to decide, if you wait for someone who's hurt you, you might be waiting your whole lifetime. I want you to think about that. You're going to need amnesia. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as, God through Christ, just as Christ through God has forgiven us. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other because Jesus forgives us. Somebody might say, Bill, you don't know how bad I've been hurt. You're absolutely right. I don't. But I think all of us have been crushed at some point. And some of us might even be still in it. And we have all these silly reasons why we don't have to have amnesia. Because they've never, you know what, they've hurt me, they know they've hurt me, and they've never asked me to forgive them. So I am not going to forgive them. And you might be like, you don't even know what I'm talking about. I mean, this was ugly. This was big. They hurt me. Friends, I want to tell you something. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and thinking that the other person's going to die. But you're just poisoning your soul. And you're like, I can't do it, Bill. I can't do it. And I'm like, you are right. You'll never get there without Jesus. He is the one who says, forgive. I'm not asking you to forgive them because they deserve it. They don't. I don't. But I'm telling you this. You were forgiven and continue to be forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you're quick to run to the cross and confess and repent. That's the name. That's the daily thing we all do. And when we do that, God forgives us. And the Bible says he throws our sins as far away from us, from the east is to west. Because we have been forgiven through Jesus' blood, death, burial, and resurrection, we can take what God has given us and offer that to people, whether or not they even ask us. Your soul will be so much better if you forgive people. And you're only going to be able to do it 
is if you are so tapped into Jesus, that power flows in you and through you because you'll never get there by yourself. I have seen, this is interesting, some of the most bitter people I have ever met go to church. It's interesting to me. Just bitter, bitter people. There is no joy of the Lord because they decided not to be forgiving. Friends, confess and repent that. Cling to Jesus. Let God give you the gift of amnesia. You know how I learned about amnesia and forgiveness from a 15-year-old kid? I don't know if you know this or not, but I was a high school English for seven years and I taught public school, high school English. It was fun. I was a youth pastor for eight years, a public school teacher for seven. Loved it. Loved every minute of it with my students. I had all kinds. I never graduated. I might, nobody in my family had ever graduated from high school. And I had all kinds of attention deficits, but nobody back then, nobody actually diagnosed you. And so I did poorly in school. I was the first person to graduate from high school in my whole family. And uh, I, as a teacher, I took everything that I knew about those kinds of kids and those kinds of kids, I love those kids because that's me. I saw these kids in my class, and they, didn't, they hated school, and they couldn't wait to get out. And I'm like, these are my people right here. And so you know what I did? I always moved them to the front of the row where I was teaching. Why? Because I knew that the big problem was they have a short attention span, and if they're sitting in the back, they see everything. But if they sit in the front, I can get, get right with them, right? So it would be helpful. So I had one of my, one of my favorites there. Uh, his name was Andy. And he never handed in any papers. You know, if you hand in a paper, I not only, like, I gave everybody an assignment. You know, here's, we read it in class, and then I said, go home and write a paragraph about this story that we just read. And they would, and so the next day, I, uh, when they came in, they gave me all these papers. I did a little teacher trick. I gave them a new story to read quietly for 15 minutes, and I went over to my desk, and I graded all the papers, put them in my grade book, and then I handed back the paragraphs to the students. I started to teach. And then Andy raised his hand. He said, hey, Mr. Allison, uh, I know you're getting ready to start teaching again. He said, but I didn't get my paper back. And I was like, Andy, just between you and me, you never give a paper. And so I didn't get your paper. And so I started to teach again. And as I started to teach again, he said, Mr. Allison, I gave you a paper today. And I said, Andy, I wished it was true. And I started to teach again. He stood up, and this is what the young man said to me. Allison, not Mr. Allison. He stands up and he points his finger at me. He goes, Allison, you lost my paper. So I used a little technique called getting close. Because you know what? I'm not going to take that from anybody. But you remember what I told you about responding? I did not do very well. I got right in his face, and this is what I said. And I'm embarrassed by this, I'm, I, but I want, I want to be real. Sit down and shut your face. Now, I've never said that before in a class. So that was brand new territory for me. And that kid was so mad, he slammed that book down. And he was so mad at me, huffing and puffing. And he got me good. He made me be who I don't want to be. And I was like, that's my fault because I let that happen. So I told the students, I'm going to give you 15 minutes to keep reading that story. And in my head, I'm like, i got to go sit at my desk and get my composure back. Because I'm angry. So I'm sitting at that desk, taking a deep breath. 
praying to God. I'm like, God, you got to help me. And I calm down. Now I got to hurry up because I got to get back to teaching. I grab my book and I lift my book up, and underneath my book is his paper. How real can I be with you? Can I tell you what I, my first thought was? It's not a good one. My first thought was rip this up and throw it away and pretend it never happened. You know what the problem with being a Christian teacher is? The Spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit of God's like tapping on my heart. No, no, no. You're not going to do that. And I'm like, okay. I start negotiating with God. Do you ever do this? Like, I'm like, God, here's what I'm going to do. This is like the safest way I can get out of this. I'm going to wait to the end. I'm going to ask him to stay behind. I'm going to give him the good news that his paper was good and that I lost it and I'm sorry. Now, I don't know how the Holy Spirit speaks to you, but I want to tell you what I heard pretty clearly in that moment as I was negotiating, like, God, let me save face. He said, Allison, you opened your big mouth in front of all these students, and you stuck your foot so far in, there's only one thing to do, and you need to do it right now. Get in front of that class, open your big mouth, and pull the foot out. So I had this, this paper, and the kids were already upset because I had never really acted like that before to a whole class. And he was right there, and I was like, I said, hey, Andy. And he's like, what? Oh, he just wants to choke me. And I know why. And I went like this. I found your paper, and there was a collective 30 people in that room went, they had never heard this before. They were like, we're going to learn something different today. And I looked him in the eyes, and I said, you did pretty good. I'm sorry, and will you forgive me? And that kid had this scowl on his face. And I said, I'm sorry, he went. And I said, will you forgive me? And he went, no sweat, Mr. A. <laughs> and how do I know this was real? Well, let's just say this. I had that young man for several more semesters of freshman English. And never once did he ever bring up that episode. What a gift to me. If there's a, a better thing than being forgiven, I don't know what it is. Amnesia. Oh, not only are you going to need amnesia, the N stands for, and clean up, naps. <laughs> naps. I love the story of of Elijah and Jezebel. You know the story, right, from the Old Testament. Elijah kills the 450 prophets of Baal. And Jezebel, those, that's, those are her guys. You know, he, she's like, I'm going to get you. And the same man who was so bold of, of uh, killing and, and uh, you know, ter, you know all, the, all those 450 uh, prophets of Baal, the false prophets, when a woman confronts him, he takes off because hell hath no fury like a woman and he runs from Jezebel and you know what it's not that he's not spiritual he loves God 
But he was exhausted. How do I know? What happens in the story? God says, take a nap. Eat something. Take a nap again. Need something. Friends, we're not just spiritual beings. We are because of who Jesus is in our life. But we are, you guys, we are physical. It's okay to take a nap. I have to make an announcement. Some people here are crabby right now. You might not know it's you, but the people around you know it's you. For their sake, I want to give this message to you. Today, take a nap. You might be different when you take a short nap and wake up. I know we need one. So think about this for a moment. Did Jesus take naps? He slept in the boat. So some friends got me a shirt that says, Jesus took naps. Next line, be like Jesus. <laughs> That's for you. Take a nap today if you can, because that helps clean up messy relationships. The U stands for umbrellas. What's an umbrella do? It, it takes the rain and it bounces it off, right? Some, something's thrown at you and it bounces off. You got an umbrella. 1 Peter 4.8 says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. When you love someone, you automatically give them. And you don't even have, I mean, even if they don't bring closure to it, you just, you're just kindness. Why? Because above all, love each other deeply. You let it bounce off. That's okay to let it bounce off. There's a time, listen to me, there's a time to answer somebody's ridiculousness, and there's a time to not answer that. In Proverbs 20, 20, 26, 4, and 5, I love this. 26, 4, and Proverbs 24, 26, 4, and 5. Answer not a fool in his folly, because you'll be like him. The next verse says, answer a fool in his folly, lest he think he be wise. So which is it? Answer a fool or not answer a fool? The answer is yes. Meaning, there's a time to answer, and there's a time not to answer. How are we going to know, God? Sometimes Jesus doesn't respond to all the criticism. Sometimes Jesus comes out and says it. You're going to need, there are going to be times when you have to let things drop off of you. It just bounces off you. I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said, there's so much criticism about me that if I were to try to clarify how all this was wrong, I wouldn't have time to be president. So let God build your character and he will keep your reputation. People will know the truth. There was a bird in central Illinois that was tired of flying south for the winter. It's a long, long fly. And he just thought, you know what? I'm not flying south this year at winter. Well, fall came, started getting cold. All the birds left that fly south. And then all of a sudden, it was very, very cold. You know how those Illinois rainy, icy, snowy things start to happen, right? And he realized he made a big mistake. So he thought, I'm going to try to catch up to those guys. And he began to fly south as fast as he can, but it was windy, it was cold, it was rainy. His, 
his wings couldn't work because there was so much ice on him. And he realized after so much travel, he, he wasn't going to make it. And he had made a very poor choice. And he looked down and he saw a barnyard and all these different things. And he thought, well, at least I'll die amongst my own. And as he came down from the sky, he just <laughs> right into the ground. And it happened to be right behind a cow. And uh, he's like, well, this is just great. You know, I'm just going to die right here. But he, then the cow took one step back and dropped a huge plop right on the bird. He's like, this is great. I'm freezing. Now I'm covered in a plop. This stinks. It's horrible, right? I mean, what could get worse? But about five minutes later, he had a revelation. That plop was warm. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. This... That plop was warm, and all of a sudden, he began to feel his wings, and the blood started circulating. And even though he knew he wasn't going to be able to fly, he knew he was going to live. And he was so happy that he was going to live that from underneath the plop, he began to sing like a spring bird. And he was singing like crazy. And that's when the barnyard cat heard this unusual sound. He was used to it in the summer, but now it's like winter. And he's like, where is that coming from? And he walks out there, and he's listening to this bird sing, and he's like, oh my goodness, it's coming from underneath this. So the bird reached in there. The, 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 uh, the cat reached in there and grabbed the bird, and he wiped the plop off, and he ate it. That's the story. But there are there are three lessons from this story. Number one, not everyone who drops a plop on you is your enemy. Right? Number two, not everyone who cleans a plop off you is your friend. Number three, if someone drops a plop on you, keep your mouth shut. Lastly, the P stands for prayer. Prayer is that connection we have that God gives us his power, his connection, our communion with him. And you are going to have to pray like crazy in messy relationships. It, messy relationships should cause us to talk to God without ceasing. That's what 1 Thessalonians 5, 7. Pray without ceasing. Talk to God about everything. Let me close would you open your Bible with me, and I'll let this be my closing passage. Open your Bible to Matthew 6. I want to show you how Jesus treats this subject, and then this is just going to be short. Let's take Matthew 6, verse 9. It's something, it's something you're so familiar with, I wonder if you're missing something. Jesus says, verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And that stops the prayer. You know what the next verse says? Watch. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, 
your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you. That's in the Bible. That's Jesus. This is important. When it says, lead us not into temptation, contextually, you know what I believe about this passage? The temptation is to be unforgiving. And just in case that's your temptation to be unforgiving with someone, Jesus gives us, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. That's some Bible right there. I want, want you to do one thing for me, and I'll pray for you, and the band will come up. I want you to take this right now, clean up right there. I want you to do me a favor right now. I want to give you something to talk about for lunch. Grab this and put a star by the one you think you do pretty good. C-L-E-A-N-U-P. Which one do you do good? Put a star by it. This is probably my best one, right? This is my best one, right? I'm pretty good at this one, right? So go ahead and do that. Let's celebrate your strengths. Awesome. Now, put a check mark by the one you think you need work on. Put a check mark by, yeah, just one. <laughs> he, was, he was like, just one? Yeah, just pick the big one, all right? Ask your wife which one you want. Him to put the check mark. And then have, here's what I want you to do. Share today. Here's the one I think I do pretty good. Here's the one I think I need to work on. And I think you could have an interesting conversation that I hope doesn't go south. I hope it's just an honest conversation and we'll celebrate your, celebrate your strengths and let Jesus work on our weaknesses and we can do that together. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we are so tempted to respond with anger, to respond with hurt, to people who anger us and hurt us. And every person in this room has been hurt. Some, some people in this room have been so devastated because of the evilness of people. And they are holding on, and Lord, I understand that. But would you please, today, do something so not them, something that only Jesus could do, that they would offer forgiveness. Even if they don't even tell it to the other person, I just pray that in their soul, they will let it go. Lord, we are messy. Our sinfulness creates all kinds of issues for us. Would you please continue to transform us through the gospel? Would you please continue to transform us through your word? Would you please transform us through the Holy Spirit? Would you please continue to transform us through communities and churches of people who follow Jesus together? I just pray that disciple-making friendship will be such a potent thing in our lives that will sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron, and that you would get the glory. Lord, speak to each person's heart as needed, and we commit them to you. And we pray these things in the great name of Jesus and all God's people said.